big part of being an impact investor is being patient, you know, and having that long-term perspective. And it's really not about, it's not a day trading strategy um, that's going to pay off tomorrow. But, you know, the, the, I think the long-term perspective is um, that these are the companies that will outperform in the long-term. On this episode of Early Bird, Sharon Schneider, an author and consultant for Integrated Capital Strategies. Sharon joins the podcast today to talk about ESG investing, including why it's becoming popular and how investors can approach an ESG investing strategy. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Sharon, welcome to the Early Bird podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast today. We're talking about ESG investing and what it means for investors today in the market. But before we do that, Sharon, tell tell the audience, what, what should they know about you and your background? If you could, in let's say 30 seconds, what, what, what should the audience know about you? Yeah, I started my career in working for large private foundations. Um, my first job was at the Pew Charitable Trust, which was a $12 billion foundation at the time, um, located in Philadelphia. And I started out as a grant maker, working with grant makers. And like many people over the next couple of years, you know, I looked at that 5% that the foundation had to give away at the, uh, as grants and started to say, that's amazing and powerful. Okay. Oh, what are we doing with the 95% of that $12 billion? How, how is that invested? Is mm. that also, you know, aligned with the mission of the foundation? And, and lots of people started to ask that. And it turned out that the answer was, no, not really. Um, and in fact, sometimes it was the exact opposite. Um, and then, you know, frankly, um, a couple of years later, then I also started asking, well, right, and, and how did you make the money mm-hmm. in the first place? And that took me down the path of, um, you know, social enterprise. And so I, I, throughout my career in philanthropy, have been really interested in aligning more and more of an uh, organization's assets. And and what I do today is work with foundations, but also um, high net worth families mm-hmm. to, you know, even go beyond even their endowment assets to their personal uh, assets or the business that they run or the properties that they own and say, how can I have more and more of my life that is aligned with my um my values and with my impact intentions. But really, you know, it's it's applying those same values to myself is what this book is about. So I had done that with institutions for many years mm-hmm. um, and with these private foundations and sitting on, you know, endowment um, investment committees. But um, in the last couple of years, started to take that same lens to my own life 
um, uh, and realize that I don't have nearly as many zeros, but I still have tens of thousands of dollars passing through my household and everything from my consumer, you know, purchases to my mortgage to my 401k and that I could do the same exercises to align more and more of my personal assets with my values. Well, that's an incredible journey and, 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 and an interesting sort of story and good, good segue because I think a lot of investors are nowadays are thinking the same thing too. How can I invest in something that aligns with my values? And that takes us to ESG investing. Um, Sharon, in a nutshell, let's say the audience, you know, you're, you're kind of new to ESG investing. What would be a good way to describe what that is? Sure. Well, first, the acronym stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, E-S and G. And it's a methodology to screen stocks and companies against a set of criteria that fall into those categories. Mm-hmm. The challenge for the industry is everybody has a different set of screens mm-hmm. for those um, exact same categories. So um, it's a pretty broad um group, but it's, it's of, of stocks and ETFs and, you know, mutual funds and individual companies. But um, it's really just a philosophy of saying, hey, the things that don't necessarily show up in your balance sheet today, but are absolutely material to your business now and in the future, are these, you know, how you're treating the environment, if you're exploiting that that lacks environmental regulation today, that's going to catch up with you. If you're exploiting your workforce or, you know, not um, taking care of your people, that's going to catch up with you. Uh, you know, if you are, have poor governance or, you know, in my opinion, a bad boy CEO, that's going to catch up with you. And so really ESG screens are attempting to identify and look for those uh, factors today mm-hmm. as an important indication of future performance that maybe isn't reflected right now, um, but is believed to be um, meaningful for your uh, future, um, you know, performance as a, as a company, as well as kind of being the values, um, you know, that, that you want to align with in terms of where your money is put to work. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I think, you know, when you look at what companies are starting to do, they're starting to take into account these ESG uh, considerations when they're making important company decisions, because they know that on the one hand, their consumers are looking for that, but the investors, the shareholders are also beginning to look at that as well. I, I dug up some stats for this episode. Um, according to JP Morgan, over 500 million or $500 billion flowed into ESG integrated funds last year in 2021, which is 55% more than the year before. And Bloomberg Intelligence believes that ESG may surpass 41 trillion assets this year. Uh, it's it's incredible to see sort of the growth of ESG investing, especially among the retail class of traders. Uh, Sharon, why do you think ESG investing has become more popular in the past few years? I think awareness just has been a really big part of it. I mean, people, you know, I can't tell you, again, foundations, often the board was just relying on, you know, a financial advisor to have them in a diversified portfolio that was generating the maximum return. And when they started to look at what they owned, you know, there was a big movement called just know what you own. Um, They would go, wait, wait, hold on, we're an environmental grant maker and we are 10% in oil and gas. And 10% in like weapons and, you know, like 
things that really don't align with our grant making. So like the big example was, I believe it was the Gates Foundation that was um, doing environmental grant making over here. And then, you know, all these investments in big oil. And when you look at the, the impact of the 5% grant making versus the 95% of the endowment, you know, the 95% is frankly, pardon my friend, beating the crap out of the 5%. Sort of we're going, this ain't working, folks. You know, that we've got to um, just harness more resources and stop causing the problems with the 95% that we then try to solve with the 5%. So I think as that has trickled down to awareness of individuals to say, oh, I, you know, I was just in this mutual fund that my 401k offered. I had no idea what was really you know, what it contained. Um, and I, I've, yes, I intend and I would like to be invested in, in this way, but there just weren't a lot of options. Mm. And so the other thing that's happened is that um, it used to be, you used to have to really put together your own, you know, version of, of an ESG kind of portfolio. And it was beyond the capacity of a, you know, typical retail investor. But as they saw the popularity rising, you know, the financial institutions are no fools. They go, that's a market opportunity. And they start to develop products. And that's what those, you know, all those mutual funds that they're marketing now is a product. Um, And so they've really opened up um, in response to investor, which is, you know, it's becoming a flywheel, right? The more that investors demand it, the more that they develop products, the more those products are available, people choose them, you know, so it's it's really become a... um, Uh, a positive feedback loop. Good way to put it. When we return, we'll hear from Sharon about criteria for ESG funds and how investors can focus on ESG. But first, let me tell you where you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, Sharon, today we're talking about ESG investing and sort of what today's investors need to know. It's no secret that the market has been challenging this year. Um, It's interesting, though, where ESG funds are performing in this challenging market. A report from Morningstar back in August uh, found uh, six ESG funds that actually were outperforming the market. Still underwater, but better than than most other funds. Um, Let's just you know, it's clear that a lot of ESG funds can outperform the market, but let's just play devil's advocate for a second. Some critics out there might say, you know, the ESG initiatives are great, they, they sound wonderful, but in terms of business, there may not be the best way to judge an investment or the best way for a business to run itself. What, what, what do you say to, to those types of people out there who may be a bit more critical of ESG? Well, first, I'd point them to the study that you mentioned. <laughs> so, you know, you can critique the philosophy and, and have the perspective personally that, no, no, business is business. And, you know, it's it's hard to say that the ESG criteria are bad. Um, it's sort of saying, I want to get away with the bad behavior as long as I can. You know, and I think that, the again, viewing it as sort of a, 
invisible liability for these companies um, is another way of saying, you know, what I, what I often would say to investment committees that I was on was, you know, look, whether you, you know, morally believe we should stop investing in, in fossil fuels or not, is that where you really think the money is 20 or 30 years from now? Is that where like the future is or is the future in renewables is the future in electric cars is the future in, you know, alternatives to meat and plastic. Like that seems obvious that that's where we're going. And so, you know, as the hockey saying goes, skate to where the puck is going, not to where the puck is. And so in a lot of ways, ESG investing is really about having a long-term perspective to say, like, what is the, am I trying to wring the last quarterly profit (laughs) out of these, you know, dying kind of technologies and um, just say, you know, I'm going to extract as much as I can very literally for myself and screw everybody else and screw the planet for my quarterly profit. Or are you going to say, ah, the future for my children and my grandchildren is clearly over there. Let me just let me just not try to time the market. Just go to, you know, skate to where the puck is going. Um, and, and, you know, one critique has been, and I think this is fair, is sort of like, well, those ESG funds outperform because they're tech companies. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you avoid doing some of this, you know, problematic, um, extractive kinds of things is... You're a tech company where, you know, you um, uh, you don't have uh, environmental, you know, issues. But, you, you know, again, I think if you think about the future and you think about the industries that are going to make up our future, um, certainly technology, but some of these other, um, you know, themes are really just um, kind of progressive in terms of, of human development rather than in terms of a political agenda. No, you're right. There are definitely forward-thinking themes there. Um, so you talked about funds out there. They could be ETFs. They could be mutual funds, um, ETFs or exchange-traded funds. It, it, essentially, you have these funds out there that have criteria, criteria in place for ESG investing. Um, could you explain what that is when, when a fund's like, here, here, we're an ESG fund, and here's our criteria for companies in order for them to fit into the the fund? Yes. And, and I think this is actually the important thing to realize is that each fund, um, ETF, whatever it is, has its own definition. So there's not a universal definition of this is what it means to be a positive, you know, company and force in the world. So a couple of examples. One is um, the YMCA actually did a really innovative thing. The charity, the YMCA, they created a mutual fund called um, a sticker or, um, you know, ticker symbol, uh, women, W-O-M-N, I believe. And it screens for companies that are um, very gender kind of equality focused. So women on the board, women executives, friendly policies around, um, you know, parental leave and um, just they've they've come up with a set of measures of like what it means to them to be women friendly. And what's cool about it is actually they use the management fees from this fund as like a source of revenue to support the YMCA. So really interesting. Okay. But if you look at what the holdings are according to those criteria, I believe their biggest holding is like McDonald's and Amazon <laughs> and Exxon, which are companies that score really well in some of those governance issues, mm-hmm. but as you can guess, maybe don't score so well against different, um, you know, <laughs> sorts of social issues. Uh-huh. And so, 
looking underneath the just label of this is an ESG fund to say, what does it actually hold? And which of my values here is more important, you know, is an important aspect of choosing an ESG fund if you would just have an open, you know, an open choice. Um, and, you know, another example, again, of like individual companies that some people look at is um, if you are a uh, advocate for um, designated drivers, for example, mm -hmm. like Mothers Against drive, Drunk Driving, and that's a really important value to you, that might lead you to invest in something like Uber or Lyft, right? But on the other hand, Uber is a company that has been deeply problematic in a lot of ways um, for its own workforce, for privacy issues, for, you know, again, that kind of bad voice. CEO. So like I would never own Uber in my life. I won't even take an Uber. So I think, you know, it depends on what your value is and you have to do a little bit of, you know, recognizing that very few companies are perfect across the board. And so choosing an ETF or choosing a, you know, a fund of some kind is really about understanding which values you want to prioritize, um, you know, over others. And, and again, as an example, a lot of um, climate uh, ESG funds actually hold ExxonMobil. And the reason is that, again, they score really high on governance and then they're putting a lot of money into renewables. Mm -hmm. They also have to be building pipelines that, you know, they're still doing the fossil fuel thing, mm -hmm. but they recognize, I mean, they themselves recognize where the puck is going and they're putting a lot of money into renewables and that affects their, um, you know, their rating. And so, um, you know, it's not that I think those funds are trying to trick you, it's that they are defining, you know, these criteria in a very individual way. And so you just have to understand and look under the hood at what that particular fund is prioritizing and see if that aligns with your priorities. Great advice. Everybody has a different definition as, as to what ESG means to them. Some funds will fit that definition better than others. Great, great example there. Um, so I guess for today's investors, let's say you really want to focus on ESG. What advice would you give to retail investors today who really want to get onto ESG? Well, I would say that look under the hood and find, you know, find out um, what exactly this particular fund that you're evaluating, you know, means by that. Um, and, and I would say, yeah, stick with sort of a fund. I think the, uh, the ability to, select individual stocks is always challenging. So there are more and more options um, in terms of uh, products out there. So just do your homework in terms of what they mean. And then, you know, again, a big part of being an impact investor is being patient, you yeah. know, and having that long-term perspective. And it's really not about, it's not a day trading strategy um, that's going to pay off tomorrow. But, you know, the, the, I think the long-term perspective is um, that these are the companies that will outperform in the long term. Is, is part of that because, hey, these are the companies that have already made these changes that the other companies will eventually have to make if they want to remain profitable? I, yeah, I think that. For me, that's a big aspect is like, again, that lacks environmental regulation. That's going to cap up to you. You know, that's going to catch up. It's you're getting away with it now. Um, same with like labor violations or, you know, some of these other issues is, you know, they are going to catch up to you sooner or later. Consumers, the government, the media, 
um, whatever those pressure points for change, it's coming. And again, um, you can try to time it and stay stay ahead of it, or you can just go to where um, people have already addressed the issue and made the change. And that's what essentially ESG stocks are trying to screen for. Interesting. It's good to see what they're trying to you know screen for, but also what they're they're, they're trying to build, uh, especially for for investors who are looking forward and in, into the future. Um, well, and I will say too, one other thing I'll mm-hmm. say is, you know, impact investing as a field, right? This idea of, you know, making your investments align with your values really started originally with negative screens. Mm. So people were trying to screen out what they called sin stocks. So again, it could have been fossil fuels, it could have been um, weapons, liquor, you know, gambling, like whatever your values were, it was like, oh, I don't want to own those things. And, um, and, and that was exactly the critique was like, well, but those things are really profitable. So if you're, <laughs> if you're screening them out, and it was like, mm-hmm, okay. And so your, your financial advisor was telling you that was a foolish thing to do. And what they meant was like, if you don't make money, I don't make money. Um, but, uh, but then the next evolution was what we call like a positive screen. So again, looking for those industries that are the industries of the future. And so I think people that want to try to find alpha, you know, in their investment choices, it's not about screening out, um, you know, so much as it is about screening in, like looking for those opportunities of the future. Good point. Sharon, thank you so much for, for giving your insights today on ESG investing. Really appreciate it. Uh, b- before we wrap up the podcast, I just have one final question, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. That question for you, Sharon, is what technology innovation has made the most impact on your life? Oh. Oh. Um, I, I don't have a fancy answer to that. I, I might say something as simple as email. Mm. I mean, I'm a consultant and I, you know, asynchronous communication, um, organized, you know, across time is a really powerful tool for me. So. Email has changed everything. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Thank you again to Sharon Schneider for sharing your insights on ESG investing. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.